0: Episode 52 of the Metro Fan TV Rundown coming to you live after, I think, uh, a win, a draw, and a loss. So I think we've got, we are about to hit Connect Four, ladies and gents. Um, Four points over the last three games, and, you know, perhaps signs of life emanating as we go into the business end of the season. It's just Lens and Juan here today because Fernando, well, well, Fernando's gone to parts unknown. I, 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 have, no, I, have, no, I have no tabs on where he could be, or what he could be doing. But I just know that on a day where we lost Juan uh, Sumetro, Editor-in-Chief, Ben Cork, this is another terrible loss to take. So uh, Juan, how are you feeling today? Are you holding up?
1: Well, we saw each other earlier at, at the funeral for Ben Cork. Um, I thought you looked great. Uh, I thought it was a good ceremony. Uh, it was a nice Irish wake, even though Ben Cork isn't Irish for some reason. I believe he's Welsh.
0: <laughs> well, you see, he has to be Irish. He's got Cork in his name.
1: Oh, that's right. <laughs> right, because his, his middle name is County.
0: Oh God, uh, m- m- more of a uh, more of a Galway type of guy. Just, for, <laughs> just, just for the record. Uh, I, I like the, I like that part of Ireland's call. It's like a, <laughs> to the rugged hills of Galway, but that, <laughs> but, but that song sucks, dude. Uh, I think what uh, song um, is R- that? that's Ireland's call. It is just uh, what they sing instead of Amran Nafine for uh, oh. for rugby games because they're cowards. Oh
1: really? I just want to go
0: on record saying that Amran Nafine is a significantly better Irish anthem.
1: Honestly, if if you have to sing in English, then dump it down the toilet.
0: <laughs> yeah, give me enough.
1: Exactly. The Welsh. I imagine the Welsh national anthem is in Welsh. I can't imagine it's not. And the yeah, anthem, the only I, I would say the best English language national anthem would be "Flower of Scotland."
0: Yeah, that one's a banger. It's because it's,
1: it's, like, it's, it's an
0: actual folk song,
1: right? It's actual folk song. The If you could sum up the lyrics first, like, like the United States National Anthem, you could sum it up by saying, uh, hey, has anyone seen the flag? And does it wave? Terrible, terrible song. And meanwhile, the Scottish National Anthem, the gist is, hey, remember that time we beat the English? That was fun. We should do it again sometime. Ha, ha, ha. Just Flo-. kidding. Unless we're not.
0: Flower of Scotland also wins points for not having a racist third verse about slavery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, enough. definitely. Uh, but that being said, uh, speaking of slavery, let's talk about <laughs> state slavery. And Nick wow. Castellanos with a home run to left field. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we played, uh, uh, just to recap, at the last three uh, games that this team played, a uh, 2-1 loss on the road in Columbus. That was... Heart-wrenching, I think we can all agree. Uh, following up with a 4-0 win, blowing out Miami on the road uh, in their own house, and then followed up with a pretty fun 1-1 draw, all things considered, and for the rescheduled uh, home derby against NYCFC. Now we find ourselves on the precipice of going to the heart of darkness, known as the Yankee Stadium, again, to play them once more. I I assure you... I. I... <laughs> this is the worst away trip on the schedule. And not just, it's easy, but like, is it worth it? The fact that it's so uh, unenjoyable despite the ease of the trip just kind of tells you everything you need to know about what a putrid experience it is up there generally. And it's not just because, like, it's a derby. It's just because, like, their stadium sucks. The experience going to and from there sucks. And, like, the entire time you're there, it's just, like, the most, like, malevolent vibes that I can think of. But anyway uh let's recap i think uh i think as i mentioned you know i think at the top of the episode uh, you kind of do have signs of a team that flashed something that has been flashing something you know once again for like a half or so for about 25 30 minutes each game once more right i think um in spurts the movement looks like it's back uh, but for some reason or another, it hasn't really been maintained over a 90-minute period other than uh, the 4-0 win against Miami, right? And I think um, that being said, there have been some tactical tweaks we've seen in recent games, right, from Strooper to try and inject some life back to the team, none more so than the switching from the 4-2 four, four, diamond That's been uh, the formation du jour, right? Uh, For most of the season, back to like what seems to be a four-two-three-one that we've seen from uh, that we've grown accustomed to seeing from Red Bull teams of the last. uh, I would want to say like like seven years, (laughs) right? Not Uh, more.
1: I mean even like late Petky years we would run a we would run that kind of formation I think yeah
0: it was like Petky switched to a four two three one in 2014 after going 442 for most of his tenure I do recall that
1: yeah that was it in order to incorporate uh Henri, bWP and Peggy I think yes
0: and Henri would play in the wing in order to do this yes yes we recall this. Uh, I mean, this was this is a formation that predates like uh, pressing formations. When it's in all and I mean, like it's basically been the the st- the four four two of like the late two thousands and
1: early twenty tens, basically, right? I think it's yeah, pretty much. Like the I don't want, I don't want to attribute it to like the Spain of those years, but it's definitely uh, they were uh, a uh, a proponent of, of that kind of formation.
0: <laughs> yeah we don't need to go too much de- in, in we too don't need much to talk about, about the
1: four-two-three-one, the four-five-one. 4, we we've all seen it before we've played FIFA in the past I don't know 10 years
0: I also don't want to bring up the perverted acolytes that uh, introduced this kind of play So uh, no absolutely not yeah so I just want to say that 4-4-2 uh, forever uh, <laughs> always put the big lad up top but that being none said of
1: the, none of this false 9 bullshit yeah unless the false nine is Keke Honda then we can talk
0: even then though
1: even then though do i'm we more talking about takashi okada's 2010 world cup okay now we're really we're really getting in the weeds now yes yes let's get okay. back on track let's get back get back, let's on, get track. back on track <laughs> so
0: i think we'll we'll begin with the pantsing of a uh, team gusano in miami shall we uh, i think uh, i mean uh, that was a sight for eyes. Right, I don't remember the last time we uh, pasted a team so thoroughly, and uh, you know I think the wrinkle in this match was the fact that Miami
1: sucked. (laughs) They were that's like the most shocking thing. Like, because I was feeling pretty terrible going into this game, and uh, I noticed like we were combining, we're generating chances, and then Miami would come up the field, and they were just. They were bad. I was shocked at how bad they were. Like, we talked about how bad they were going into the game in July that had gotten rained out and how they were undisciplined and how Iguain is old and fat and eats too many platanos before the game and uh, the lack of discipline and all this kind of stuff. And apparently, going into this game, they were on a run. They were doing really well. Phil Neville was doing his thing that every game is a cup final or whatever the fuck he was talking about in his stupid stupid voice um, and I was I was legit worried and then I'm watching them in this game and I'm, I was shocked at how bad they were at this team that everyone is convinced is good uh, that for some reason is above us in the playoff or on the table and they were just so bad like they were barely connected they were this they were so slow on to get to second ball we were just overrunning them in midfield Lewis Morgan I felt like on more than one occasion was trying to get past john tolkien and just never did and i was just like oh like wow these guys suck and i didn't want to like jinx it on main and post at lap at them and i had to wait until like well after the final was like wow miami was terrible
0: yeah i mean the i mean the 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 red card obviously i think would be something that kind of uh you know i think definitely makes it easier but, yes, yes. you know, sure. undoubtedly even before that, like, I, I I seriously don't remember them ever threatening our goal. Right? No, but like,
1: it's we scored half of our goals before the red card. Like, I'm looking exactly. at um, the game flow of the game, and it's like a real, it's 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 really shocking. Like, we talk about, you know, XG or whatever, but, like, you look at this chart, and there's, like, it's mostly red. There are barely little things, that, barely little, like, spikes of pink. Um... Even before the red card, we had two goals. We had, we had generated a bunch of chances before then. Yeah, um, I
0: mean, I want to point out that like uh, the best spurt of the game happened while we were still 11 versus 11. Right, It was yeah. our most dominant spell. and uh, we, It was only after we pulled back, I think in the second half, by switching to formation, mm-hmm. that it kind of petered out a little bit. But it should be telling the people that <laughs> even if then they had 11 men, they were putrid.
1: They we had they were they barely like registered more than five shots in general. I think they had like two or something like that. One shot on target. We had nine shots on target, twenty-seven total shots. Shocking.
0: Yeah. Um, I think um to, to just kind of attribute like uh the cause for this, it probably would be the resumption of a lot of the uh movement and the attacking that we kinda of saw. Like just kind of disappear post international break in June, mm-hmm. right We talk about a static how static the midfield has been um but one of the things that you've seen in this switch over to four two three one I think is also the injection of personnel who are willing to make these runs off the ball, right and I think mm-hmm. uh you know uh, um none more so than a certain Omir Fernandez uh who has yes. reminded everyone in recent weeks of the talent that he possesses right and um you know i think um really stood out in the miami game where he his active contributions all over the field his uh movement off the ball was delightful i will say but also his ability to link up play right between the uh between the deeper lines of the field and the striker Patrick Klamala, right? Mm-hmm. But his ability to ferry, dribble the ball, but also work the half space to build, to, to work combinations, you know? I mean, this kind of stuff we've always known was in his arsenal, right? It's just that yeah. he hasn't really had a chance to show it. And it came through in a big way, right? You know, I think um, more than anything, you know, if this kind of performance that we saw against Miami, you know, it's really fair questioning, like, why is it that he had been so buried on the depth chart up until this point, you know? Yeah. Like, like, he was a yeah, dark if you think court. about, Yeah,
1: if we think about, like, roles that we, that guys have in this team, we don't really have a guy who can play, um, like you said, in those half spaces. Like, you know, you think about the attributes that Carmona has, that CCJ has, that, like, they got other, our midfielders don't have. And, like, as far as, like, strikers go, you know, it unburdens them to have a guy like Omir playing in those, in those, uh, in those spaces between, I guess, should we define like a half space? Like you have a wing, you have the wing zones, you have like the, you know, the, the strip, like right down the middle of the pitch. And so in between those, that's what we call the half spaces.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, I mean, it does kind of raise the question as to, you know, him being this guy that can, that can actually serve as an ideal strike partner for Patrick Lamala in a way. Right. Because you have Klimało, who's a guy who really likes to uh, run the channels off the ball, right? And right. enjoys service on the ground to his feet while he streaks into space, right? In behind, you know, if mean, you have someone like that, right, like Omir, who isn't like I think as static, right? Like he able to move around, create space for other players to run into, and then play them in from uh, drawing defenders to him. You know, I mean, like. Yeah this is the kind of combination play that unfortunately we hadn't really been seeing from big Fabio yeah as much as it pains me to say that right but as we mentioned you know I think uh it's 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 also just a fact that like uh, the midfield combinations up until this point hasn't been full of people who are willing to make these runs right I mean uh you know i think we, we we pointed out in previous weeks uh you have casares and clark who just casares clark and davis who just kind of are don't really possess to want to like drive the ball forward for whatever reason i mm-hmm. mean like we talk about how good their counter their counter pressing ability is right their ability to work within the context of uh to work within the context of the press to generate turnovers but neither of them really possess this ability to drive with the ball. You know what I mean, yeah. like Caseres is a bit slow he's a bit he's a bit of a laborious player, right, and Clark unfortunately, since his appendectomy hasn't really had much impact on games. I'm going to be quite frank when I say that, like um since... not
1: since I think the game against Nashville or Chicago, I think yeah. was probably natural because i didn't go to the chicago one
0: yeah like um yeah basically uh you know and anyway even before that like he kind of seemed more as like a linking player anyway right like very much a linking eight rather than someone who can drive the ball forward right who can dribble and drive the ball forward in a way i guess uh, on the topic of that like O'Mears has just kind of emerged as the player that i think i had pegged cameron harper to be going into the season right this guy who can get on the ball and create space and draw defenders to him on the dribble while also creating this linking combination plays in the attacking third that can open up opportunities for strikers ahead of him you know and i i i think uh, that's one thing that's kind of been overlooked a little bit right right this ability to provide a link between those two lines. The only other guy that I'd seen it from this year playing a slightly more advanced role is um, Frankie Amaya in the first quarter when we first when we first got him over from Cincinnati. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he's been he's kind of kind of fallen off a little bit, I suppose, which has been disappointing. But you know, uh, we talked about a potential save here in the team. I think Omir Fernandez has uh, basically thrown his hat into the ring. and he says, hey, you know, I could be useful going into this final stretch. And I do think that he's earned some more minutes just based on the play his last two games. You know, very nifty play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, even even if we go back before the Miami game, like he started against Columbus and the team looked, you know, going into the, you know, we, we were up 1-0 at the end of this first half and we saw Omir... Um, linking up play to Clemala. Like, in a lot of ways, like, there were moments when, like, Clemala we noticed, like, him making those runs that he couldn't quite do when we were struggling. Um, And then you could see the difference in the second half because I think Omir was substituted off for Fabio, and I think it just felt weird that, like, Fabio was on the field to do Omir things as opposed to having him on the field to do Fabio things and having Omir in support of him. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: I think that substitution really just highlighted that dichotomy perfectly, didn't it?
1: Yeah, like and then, and then, we uh, think, and then, like, yeah, going into the into the game in Miami, we kind of like Struber, I guess, figured out a way to to put Fabio into the game. Yeah, or and, yeah, start all three of them rather.
0: And you know, I guess on the topic of the strike no, on the striker configuration, I mean, I I I think uh, you know Fabio has shown an ability to kind of play the hole behind Klimala, right, but. I think it also kind of highlights the spacing issues that we were seeing right I think based off of uh when we were playing with a fair out two striker formation you know I think uh, some of those started rearing their heads again right because I think mm-hmm. they kind of find themselves in each other's spots a little bit too much yeah um, and um I think uh one way or the other like uh just not able to shuttle the ball between the two of them I mean I think it's been pointed out uh previously that part of what's compounding this is the fact that like the fullbacks and the midfielders aren't pushing forward in the numbers that they're supposed to to give the strikers yeah. outlets to work with but you know like it, it's kind of telling to me that uh Klima's edge right comes through more when he's allowed to kind of roam in the attacking third and have mm-hmm. be this focal point in the offense to have balls played into inconsistently right like I think he's enough of a physical beast where he's moving constantly all over the side of the field and now that uh, i think when you introduce someone on that same line right it kind of muddles things up a little bit because i think uh, the amount of room that he has to work with uh is significantly shrunk and he doesn't really quite know how to uh i mean he definitely doesn't seem like a kind of guy who really knows how to work with the strike part partner very well just simply because of uh, the spatial
1: overlaps that that encompasses you know yeah i felt like they were either getting in each other's way or they were way too far apart which is not what you want from like two strikers and so i I, i'm glad that we we started this conversation about the formation and then we went on a a whole a whole meander and then now we're back at the formation so do you want to talk about the shape
0: Yeah, you you know, I mean, I think this was a natural segue into what we wanted to talk about, right? This is this idea of whether or not we look better going forward with a lone striker or two strikers and what the striker configuration might look like going forward into 2021, right? Because I think it's been a small glimpse into what the future holds. I am not really sure now if Fabio is coming back next year. I think we'll begin with that, first of all uh i think just based on the fact that klima is locked into a five-year contract and he's making a big ton of money uh he's gonna be on the team no matter what next year but on top of that when you see the way that he's played in this lone striker formation right where he's allowed to lead the spear by himself he's allowed to make the runs that he wants to make unabated you know it, it really shows to me the lot he's shown over the last three games if you find an attacking midfielder that can thread the through balls to his feet that he wants He's gonna bag a lot of goals next year. You know, I like even in spite of the lack of service that we've seen from the midfield this year, he's still putting up a goal or an assist like almost like every what hundred and twenty minutes. You know, that every game every game and a half he has a goal or an assist, you know, and I think that that's pretty goddamn impressive for a guy who has for better or for worse, not had much help in the attacking compartment this year, right? Mm -hmm. There have been times where he and Fabio are basically going at it alone and he still find a way to either get others on the score score sheet or uh, bag some goals themselves, right? I think, um, so based on that basis alone, you know, I think uh, on that basis alone, right, I think we understand that, I think... uh, He's starting to look like the player that they spent big bucks on. And he still has areas to grow if they simply get him some midfield help, right? It would have been perfect if we had, like, Kaku, for example, this year, threading those through balls into him. Because, like, there's still too many times this season that I've seen he's making these great little runs diving into the channel. But because there are no midfielders on the ball that really possess that cutting through ball, right? to feed him right mm-hmm. the ball doesn't get released quick enough and he ends up having to check his run which is a yeah. shame because like you can see so many times right if someone releases the ball quicker and takes a chance to just play him in he's probably going to be in a one-on-one right he's just so good at interpreting and finding opportunities
1: to like make his space to, to to run in the
0: space right the perfect advance forward in that way
1: yeah, you know, like well, mean? when we talk about like putting balls into space, we don't mean like chipping them into space. I mean like playing it into his feet along the ground. Which I probably the only player that that we've seen able to do that is probably like Carmona. And even then, I he he, it's more complicated than it needs to be with him. Yeah, he like still... his assist his assist against Miami, he, like it was like the a, a, like nice little outside of the boot thing. Which k- credit to him, he pulled it off. But the whole the whole sequence is I'm seeing Car- I'm seeing. Cl- Patrick ran into that space, and I'm like, "Pass the ball with your right foot, for God's sake!" And he does it. He, but I'm like, "Jesus, man." Yeah, I know. It's uh, Kaku obviously does. would probably might do the same thing, but you, you know, Kaku is. Uh, I think Kaku is that caliber player where he like he can make the space and. Uh, yeah, uh, I play mean, that it, ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's effortless with him, basically, right? But Carmona has a, too much of a, still a bit too rough around the edges for my liking. I mean, he's a teenager in his first full professional season, so I'm not gonna knock him too hard, but uh, he quaresmed it, <laughs> so to say Maybe. he quaresmed it into space, and then what happens? could finish down to the near post, you know, I think those have been kind of those has been the kind of runs that he's been looking. those are the kinds of passes that he's been looking to get on the end uh, on, I think for basically the entire season. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think any of our any of our midfielders unfortunately really possess that quality. I mean not even Carmona. you know that what came in a transition moment but like you said i mean like uh the error for margin when you're going to be passing when you're outside of the boot like that is way too fine yeah you know and uh my my wish list going into the offseason is that kevin Thelwell brings in an attack midfielder that can provide that kind of service consistently right Yeah. and you know i think the good news is is that they have kind of struck on Num- a whole number of transfer targets right this year you can see we have brought in a high quality defender and Andres Reyes we've brought in high quality striker and Patrick Klimala we just need a midfield now and it's unfortunate but the midfield is you know continues to be the thing that requires the most attention in spite of the number of guys that were brought in and out. You know, but I think the good news is, is going into this offseason you have a whole bunch of really big money contracts coming off the books. Danny Royer's probably off um remains to be seen whether or not you can move the likes of Manny Egbo, Jason Pendant, Matthias Jorgensen. But if you manage to get the, that money off the books as well, I think that frees up over a million dollars in cap space to go and bring in a big midfielder, right?
1: And then maybe 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 uh get a contract on Fabio.
0: Yeah, hopefully, but you know I mean like as, yeah, I, like I know that um, we're like
1: we're 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 worried about Fabio, but I guess if we don't have Fabio coming in next season, then I think we would need a new we would need a striker because that we don't have we would just have Patrick and then we'd have Tom Barlow, and it's like, do we really want to take a chance on that? Yeah,
0: I mean, I guess I can, I guess, I guess like not like 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 we, we not not even Barlow potentially maybe on the outs. That's true, but I then mean, even like with the signing of uh, because, because I guess you know I I I think Omar So maybe that you know that bench striker. Oh my god, I, for, I forgot shot, about man. Omar So. I forgot Omier, about Omar Omier Fernandez has established himself as well. I mean, I think uh, you know that's uh, true. You know, like the striker for me is a will he or will he not kind of thing. You know, I'm not super, I'm not super plused in that position specifically, but that's just me personally. I think an additional striker could help but again it depends on whether or not we make this four-two-three-one one the norm right are we really shying away from two strikers now i mean it certainly seems that way because troopers started the city game in a 4-2-3-1 formation right yeah. and we had a really bright start to that game too like once uh yeah. even though city went down to 10 men we switched to two strikers like we struggled to generate anything once again off of that right like we remember that the second half of the second half in the city game you know we're really offering much again you know it's uh I think in the second half especially it's when we switched up the service play from those quick combinations to the long ball stuff again you know I think that's where we started to uh started to lose a bit of that edge right when we switched up the formation in the second half switched up the service style in the second half and to me, you know, it's starting to become readily apparent that I think, you know, this team just seems to... with The way the personnel on this team right now seems to play better with one guy up top. With the three guys underneath him supporting him, you know. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, to go back into yeah my shopping list for next season attacking midfielder i think is probably at the top of the list but also guys who can hopefully shuttle the ball with a bit more consistency so you know i think um you know base the defensive midfielders again again i i this is like the fucking fourth or fifth season i've gone into the i think like fourth or fifth window in a row i've gone into saying that we need defensive midfielders (laughs) because we do our choices oh, are... yeah,
1: I guess we don't it's 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 not as likely that uh <laughs> that uh, the dr sauce doesn't happen
0: yeah, yeah I mean uh it's it's unfortunate that he turned into a skeleton again after uh after <laughs> after, after after being resurrected at home on September oh, 11th. Yeah,
1: he uh he uh, <laughs> he saw he saw a leaf on the tree turn from green to orange and I'm like he's like uh, I must become a skeleton again Spooky season is upon
0: us. He ascended like Uguay in a Kung Fu Panda. (laughs) And he just turned into a whole bunch of hamstrings and disappeared into the ether. Yeah, I mean, that's the deal for me as well, right? I mean, I I think what kind of uh, gets overlooked in a midfield chat, and I certainly do think this has been pointed out in my mentions quite a few times this week, is that we also just simply don't have guys who can bring the ball up the field of any consistency. You know, I think Clark was probably the guy who was doing that early in the season and looked pretty good doing it. Uh, but like I said, you know, he and Casares have just kind of fallen off the second half of the year. And anyway, Clark's on his way to Germany. So he's not really ours anymore. He's not our problem anymore, I guess. Uh, Casares, I think, is a bit more of a question mark for me because uh, I don't really... I'm still not really convinced that he is uh, he's a fit for this team. I think he just kind of moves a bit too slow for my liking, and doesn't really have much of a. It's weird, right? Yeah, right, you just don't bit. know. We
1: know what he's good at, and it's like tough to see like what role, like what defined role he has
0: in this team, anyway. Yeah. yeah, takes takes an extra touch a bit too much. Doesn't have the greatest passing vision, like, and on top of that, just kind of kind kind of labors through his appearances a bit too much for my liking, but. I don't know, Let's we'll, we'll just see what the future
1: holds for that one, I guess. Um, Maybe it was uh it was, <laughs> when I was at the gate. I was with uh I was with a friend who was getting his tickets at Will Call, and some some dude walks up to Will Call, and he goes up to the to the window, he says, uh, "Hola, hables uh, español? Yo soy el padre de Cristian Casares." <laughs> so I'm like, "Whoa. <laughs> it's Cristian Casares senior?" Yeah.
0: Hey they had that nice wholesome moment after he scored against uh what should we call it?
1: Uh Oh yeah, we also, I think Omir's oh, grandma was, was, yeah, after the free kick, and I think at, at this last game, Omir's grandma was in the crowd. And I think whoever was on the cameras got that shot too. Huh. Nice. Good stuff all around. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month, everybody.
0: <laughs> es familia. And mi familia es Hillary Clinton, because she's my abuela.
1: Sorry. Oh, I thought you were saying when you went familia, you were doing like uh, Fast and the Furious.
0: No, that's that's Wash, dude. Uh, I've never heard of Vin Diesel in my life.
1: (laughs) You only refer to him by his real name. His B-boy name.
0: Yeah, uh, Vincent Diesel. (laughs) (laughs) Vincenzo Diesel. Diesel. Oh, sorry, I'm being racist towards Italians again. Uh, Apologies to all our Italian listeners. (laughs) Sorry, Luca. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's kind of what stands out to me. Um, uh, basically, uh, I think the, to, to recap the last three weeks in this podcast, uh, it's been me whining about our midfield, and I will continue to whine about our midfield until things get uh, rectified. But uh, that's enough about me. Does anything stand out for you over the last two or three games? Like uh, Any thoughts you may want to add on top of that? yeah well columbus
1: i've chosen to forget about columbus so yeah. that game is gone for me which is an issue because uh i i to get to get myself through this season i've been i've been telling myself that games that we've lost i just i just get I, I get over them and they're in the past and i forget about them uh the issue is that when your team is bad what are you going to remember of the season yeah so uh but thankfully these are some finer results. I guess the games against Miami and again, the games against New York City FC, if you think about, if you've been following this team for any number of years, you sort of like, uh, you have a checklist of like the kind of moments you have in any given New York Red Bull season. You have, you know, a comfortable two nil win. You have uh, a frustrating nil nil. You have a frustrating draw. You have a shitty game that you lose and you get pants like away. Then you concede like three goals and, um, I said a comfortable, and then like, but we, what were we missing so far this season up until like two weeks ago, we were missing a game where we absolutely pants a team, not even just like spiritually, like we did against Chicago at home, but just like, we like the good old fashioned four nil game. And then we had, we were missing just like a last minute, uh, not lose type situation where we save, you know, a, either a point or three points, but like that last minute moment, uh, where RBA's like. Just like the atmosphere is insane, and that's what we got these past against Miami and New York City. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know,
0: I guess sooner, I I, I guess sooner or later, I I, I have this feeling that we weren't going to be like this future forever. So it's nice, at least, uh, that we've had some some serotonin being injected in our brains. From uh, the results of the last two weeks um i think uh, whether or not that holds up for the rest of the year remains to be seen though but i'm very much in hashtag who care mode for the rest of the year like playoff streak is over then the playoff streak is over man i mean like what is this the undertaker wrestlemania like <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah so um I guess we'll just move on to stocks, I guess, just to round out discussion for uh, these last two games. Uh, so stocks, I think uh, ups, I think obviously will go to Omir Fernandez and Patrick Klimala for reasons that I've already detailed. But, uh, you know, I think uh, you'd also have to give a shout out to the defense, right, specifically one, Mr. Andres Reyes, who yeah, really, really came into his own. I think uh, especially against City, right,
1: all the one-on-ones that he was shutting down, you know, Yes, absolutely. Just like the kind of the kind of performance you wanna see from a center back, especially in a in like a in like the game like tense games, tough games, games against like uh a known rival that you kind of want like a, a level head on. Um with race there were like a number of moments where like a city player would like I don't know, they, they just, I hate them so much. They're just, like, little <laughs> twerks, and they just, like, they want to do their little skill moves or whatever, it's so fucking annoying to watch them. And it's, like, they would do it, and then he would just, like, win the ball back immediately. Like, Jesus Medina in the first half, like, gets a nutmeg off, and, and like, within two steps, Reyes is, like, all right. He pivots, turns around, and then just, like, gets the tackle off and then gets the ball in one mo- motion to John Tolkien, and it's, like, that's what you need, just, like... Uh, just really comfortable on the ball, and like shout out to like Sean Nealis too, because like City tries to adopt this kind of pressing scheme as well. And uh, I, unlike past center backs that we've had, um, I wasn't necessarily worried about what was going to happen when Nealis was on the ball. Um, yeah, as a, as far as uh, the center back pairing, I don't know if you have any thoughts about the rest of the defense, but we're giving stocks now, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, 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 like on the on the topic of the defense, right? I mean, like, this is supposed to be like in a team in a, in a, in a team that likes to play, a, you know, a full sort of like a full court spacing game, right? Every every line on the team contributes to the overall shape of the team, right? Mm-hmm. And you are not compressing the opponent side of the field if you don't have a back line that are capable of. You know, cleaning house the way that Sean Neal, covering up as much ground as Sean Nealis and uh, Andres Reyes mm-hmm. do, right? And that gives, in theory, it gives the midfielders, uh, you know, the confidence to push up and swarm the attacking third. You know, it begins, it very much begins at the back with the uh, the way this team sets up, right? And uh, we've been hampered by that because uh, a, there's been a lot of injuries, and b, like the manager has been switching between two to three line configurations and personnel at such a blindingly quick pace, right? That I have a feeling that guys don't really know, haven't had the ability to really gel in something that they're familiar with, right? On a week to week basis. But, um, Sean Nealis and on Reyes specifically, I think, uh, assuming that they stick with these configurations, these are the two guys that should be in there. You know, I think, uh, these two are probably the best emergency defenders on the field. So, and then on top of that, like, I think uh, Reyes can play the ball, right? Fairly decently from the back line. He's got he's you could see glimpses of his distributive ability to start the, um, allow us to start the transition once they win it back in possession a lot quicker. So, um, you know, uh, my my take on this, to cut a long story short, is is that the manager really needs to decide about what he about the formation that he wants to play, week to week, because we certainly have the guys to do it. You know, I think um, a lot of the confusion that you get from, I think particularly the midfield, comes down to the fact that. We haven't settled on something consistent that we can just roll the ball out and they can go. It was supposed to be the four four two diamond. That seems to have gone away now. If it's going to yeah. be four two three one, I hope it's four two three one, and they just stick with something. You know, that's my that, that's my <laughs> that's that, that that's my that's my ask. Just stick with something, right? Yeah. Just let the yeah. players gel in something, and let their talent speak for itself. It doesn't need to be. Sometimes it's a bit less complicated than it should be, right? Yeah yeah yeah
1: it. like it's uh, the uh, the frustration like after the columbus game is just like what do we like we at some point we were like expecting to see like progression of the team week to week and by the end of that columbus game we're like what are we seeing we're just like we're just seeing uh it felt like tinkering to the point that we're not putting our our guys in positions to succeed and we're just like throwing stuff out there just to see what happens not really caring about what the results are doing um but yeah
0: yeah. And I think it's really to I've my take on the back line, right? Like you settle them into a, a cohesive shape that they play week in, week out, and I think you'll start to see the performances take up. Because the personnel, it's not a, it's not a talent problem. It's a, it's a formation problem. It's yeah. a management problem, as far as I'm concerned. It's not a talent problem at all. Like, earlier this season, we had no problems blowing teams off the field, but then now is switching things, like, on a near-weekly basis, and suddenly the team doesn't know what it wants to do. So, you know, I think it's clear to me. It's a management problem. Manager yeah, needs to settle even, on something.
1: Yeah, even the last two games, we're seeing like at least some consistency where we start the game with a four-man back line, and then going into the second half, um, Struber makes a change. He brings in Andrew Gutman to play as the outside center back. Um, and then so then T- Tolkien plays as a left wing back. Tom Edwards would play some time at right wing back. Um, and then he brings in John Tol- not uh, he brings in Kyle Duncan to play as that wing back to sort of play a different kind of role that Edwards would do. Um which is interesting see going forward. Like what do you think about Tom Edwards playing right back versus playing right wing back? Because I'm not not that I'm not convinced, but I think when you play as a wing back, you're kind of uh there were moments during City that he's like, oh, he's like very much like the English style, like fullback where he's just like hugging the touchline, getting up and down, like not necessarily in a way that like Kyle Duncan likes dribble, where he like he'll dribble inside. Um, yeah, I can talk about Kyle Duncan a bit in a minute, but I'll, I'll let you <laughs> you say it, speak your piece. Uh,
0: I mean, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, this dichotomy between fullbacks and wingbacks is something, but you know, I think. Uh it's it's a, it's a bit it's something that doesn't really come through as being apparently obvious especially as we've grown accustomed to see wingbacks like being the full-time width providers right in modern day formations but the thing about wingbacks is is like is that if you're playing as a traditional fullback I think you're still mostly expected to have support from wingers on the same side as you, right? Like traditional yeah. wide players that you can then provide overlaps from, but you're still mostly operating from a slightly more withdrawn position on the touchline and only really overlapping when the winger cuts inside, right? So you have mm-hmm. that outside inside movement that, uh, that helps helps create space for you in that way. But as a wing back, you're basically the only wide player on that side of the field, right? Yeah. And uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit different, right, on the way that you time your runs and the way that you position yourself so that you'll be able to play into space as uh, the other um, players move into. So I think with Tom Edwards, he's a bit accustomed to having that outside-inside movement opening up, open up space for him on his wing so he can cr- either cross from a withdrawn position or streak into space to then deliver a cross from the touchline, right? I think you can definitely see that. When he plays as a fullback, he's accustomed to that. Ores is a wing back where that kind of outside inside movement on the flank isn't going to be quite as you know regular, right? And you're already starting from a slightly more advanced position. As a wing back, you're going to need to have some slight ability to create off the dribble a little bit more, right? Yeah. And I think that that's one thing that doesn't really come through on a in his game, so to say, right? I think he can't really create his own space as well which is why yeah. i don't think he should really be a wingback right he definitely yeah. seems more like a
1: fullback i think yeah he i think like he's either a fullback uh, like he's he's either right back in a four-man back line or he plays that like right outside center back um with two giant guys like Neilas and reyes uh i think that's where we get the best out of him because like, clearly he's better his delivery with the ball is better than it is with kyle duncan but kyle duncan um, I said it like, you know, I've I spoken my, my, my piece about Kyle Duncan earlier in the season and I might, and I may have to like revise it in a way of like what his role is that like, yes, like his, his, frust- his, his dribbling style can be like really frustrating, but he's still the only fullback we have that can do that. So, uh, to hit, you know, like you bring him into a game against tired legs, like we did in Miami and he just like makes guys dance. And so he can just like chip in a cross and for Fabio to dunk on guys. I'm fine with him doing that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's sort of the difference. I think when you go into a, you know, you're playing with right with wing wingbacks, so you should probably get a guy like Al Duncan as opposed to Tom Edwards and move Tom Edwards back into like the uh, center back line or something. I think that's probably what he's more suited for. Um, but yeah, I think to round up my stocks, I think recap uh, Fernandez, Klimala, and Reyes stock up. Uh, so stock down... Um, I'm going to give a stock down to Andrew Gootin, actually. And I think, uh, you know, has, uh, I'm not really convinced by his build-up play, I think in the attacking third. Yeah. It uh, doesn't really contribute as much as John Tolkien does. So I think, you know, if you're talking earlier this season about whether or not you'd be comfortable moving on from him at the end of the year. I think I am, to be honest. We can, we there, there, unless he comes back as like a rotation option.
1: At left back maybe because uh, really yeah, like, we don't have another left back yeah. um but that's an interesting point that you make is that like uh i think like we talked about earlier in the season is like as like uh who do we use the example for of like barlow is like an archetype of a striker and so like we could be doing that with gutman as like the type of, of of defender that we want lucas monzone to be where we yeah. bring him in as like that left outside center back um but yeah i agree on that point that like his best position would probably be as a left-back, even though uh, uh, he doesn't offer... I guess he doesn't offer that much in the build-up when he has the play as that outside center-back. And then his crossing isn't as good... Um, his delivery, at least, isn't as good from, like, the left-back position, as good as, like, John Tolkien would be. Um, but I guess what like, what hit... But, like, I think Struger's playing to his strength is, like, sort of, like, being an athletic guy. You could sort of, like win headers and sort of, like, be comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: So I think that's one. Another stock down, I think I'm – hate to do it. I don't think Fabio's coming back next year. So, uh, you know, I think just just based on the last two or three games, I mean, I think uh, we might have to mentally prepare for him being gone so fortunately i think uh he's going to be the loser in uh this switch to a single striker formation so probably gets a stock down for me just on that basis alone which is unfortunate because i really do like him but that's the nature of soccer right sometimes sometimes you set you find something that works and there are casualties as a result of that so i really think that fabio may be one of them in the end uh, my final stock down, I will issue to, uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I, I, I. think, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be both Christian Casares and Caden Clark, actually. I mean, I, I don't really think uh, that this is working out very well at all. And uh... Uh, I don't think any of our midfielders are really helping the situation right now because you can't really... They're not incisive, you know. They, they 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 do the dirty work very well, but like when it comes to having this transition moments and unlocking the front line, right? I don't think we have someone on this roster right now who's capable of doing that, right? So I think we need to bring in someone that can be a bit more incisive with their passing, right? Someone who can cut open back lines to feed a striker running in behind we don't really have anyone on that right now who thinks that quickly and moves the ball that quickly so yeah I think collectively the midfield gets another stock down for me that's those are those are my stocks uh
1: those are your stocks yeah all right stocks uh I I think I had Omir I had Climala, I had Reyes um it's pretty much the same. I think I had I had I had written down specifically like Christian Casares as as a stock down just cuz uh going into like the NYC game like he was just, I think he was either anonymous because he just didn't I, I don't think he got as much pressure as like all, when he was on the ball as like uh Sean Davis was and like Sean Davis looked very good I, mean, you know, I obviously we know we're all fans of him on this show but i think particularly like when he switched on it's like it's not even when he's not at his best like you like you don't have to worry about him like losing the ball when he's when he's in possession um and christian castle had like the, the benefit of not having like that kind of pressure on him and it just didn't feel like he was getting it off and the times that like, he was trying to spray wide it just didn't happen it didn't get off for him Um. And so I think to the point. I think I after the final whistle, I had watched. I rewatched the game earlier today, and like you saw, Struwer had his arm around him, like he wasn't like he wasn't having a great time. And the Struber was just like I don't know what he was saying. Christian, you must you 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 must not be upset. One once when I was selling insurance, I, I I did not broker the proper deal, and it it I I had to sign eighteen different forms, and I usually only like to sign twenty forms, and it was very very disappointing to me but you know what i got through it and i was employee of the month at uh, weinberg <laughs> hashten, hashten uh insurance uh Verein. i
0: mean which oh my god i think the day that he sends he, he starts sending out these shitty corporate awards is the, is the day that i demand he be sacked to be honest <laughs> like midfielder of the midfielder of the week like get the fuck out of here
1: das like,
0: <laughs> he has a gold star chart in the locker room that he issues every time they uh, do the pressing motion correctly or some bullshit like that i do know
1: some... it'd be <laughs> weird to see like at one point when struber's not the manager here that like one of the players is going to reveal like something weird about him
0: yeah i would i wouldn't rule it out <laughs> He he does seem very uh, hashtag corporate, so for better. Of I don't even guess. know, just
1: like something like like uh like Sean Niels would just be like on an interview and he's like, Yeah, he really liked yogurt, like or something weird like that. He had he he he,
0: he, had, he had a fridge full of Dasani and it was just plain. You know, like <laughs> no fruits, no nothing, just just plain yogurt. Just <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh yeah so uh stocks please continue
1: um that was really it i don't know uh, <laughs> to, give a stock up to carlos cornell for that save on tinder home just like okay. that was such a great that like the kick save man
0: that was a beauty wasn't it yeah i i, I feel very vindicated right now that he's really shown his quality as the season goes on you know mm-hmm. like uh even with some tricky bits. And even with some adjustment issues, like, I think he's really come into his own as like a goalkeeper this year. And I'm really glad that his quality is shining through right now. You know, I think with the distributive ability is probably the highest we've seen, like, uh, for the Red Bull, for the, the, the New York Red Bull organization, right? Uh, and now the other goalkeeping stuff is catching up as well. So so he saved us a lot of points over the course of the season. can be happier, really. I hope we exercise that option to buy on him because he's looking really really good right now.
1: Yeah, I, yeah Salzburg don't need a goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, I mean like they whoever whoever like, they have as a
1: goalkeeper, I don't care. You don't you don't need you don't need this guy. <laughs> I think they brought in someone else, anyway. So it they really always mean. bring in someone else, man. Yeah, it's like, and I think they have. It's weird that when they are always bringing in new guys, but then there's this guy on the team, and he's last name is Valka or something like that. Yeah, Alexander like, Valka. He's just yeah. like he's like 35 years old. He's just been there forever.
0: This is this is uh, this is Ryan Mira's future, by the way.
1: It's oh yeah, right. A- that's right. Yeah, and I think Ryan Mirror was. He's not injured anymore cuz he wasn't on the injury report but like the fact that like he got injured and then we had to bring in AJ Marcucci on the bench Oh that's what? right like there was <laughs> Yeah no I'm just the sure. guy, like, like there was there was that non-zero chance that he would have come into the game when uh when uh Cornell took a boot to the face in Miami Yeah
0: Yeah, I remember that. Nobody saw him for the entirety of the second half, which I found even funnier, to be honest. Oh, yeah, we
1: know no one got to see his face. Yeah. (laughs) He could have been wearing, like, a whole mask and we wouldn't have known.
0: Uh, He seemed to be okay when he showed up against City, though, so I guess uh, that was uh, an unfortunate missed opportunity that we're never going to be able to get back. We could never have a masked goalie. Yeah. But alas. Um, okay, so I think that does it for the last uh, two or three games, right? Unless you wanted to issue your final stuck up or stuck down to anyone, really.
1: uh, uh no, I think uh, <laughs> I think we we really did cover it. I don't I don't know what one more is to dig into here. All right, I That's... guess I give a whole stock down to New York City FC because I hate them. I don't know. Yeah, just just
0: I don't know the very very malevolent entity to be honest. Just like, just. It's like... I've never seen a team that is so, like, vehemently
1: anti-vibes in my life.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? Like...
1: (laughs) It's like, I don't know... I don't know how you have fun with this team. Like, I don't know what any of... I guess... I I don't know. I have no idea. I guess they must have, like, Spanish language content that people like, because I don't know how you get anything out of... What's-his-fucking-face, Goodmund Thorarinsson or whatever. Some like, I imagine, I, I imagine like the fans that are like super into the, the like to the Nordic players are like mad suspect. Just like really into Viking runes.
0: Yeah, they 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 they, they have rifles of run, runic script on them. I wonder what's going on there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> A military jacket in the closet and with your, next to your Hawaiian shirts and shit. You know, like Oof.
1: just like. <laughs> I and like I'm I, like I feel slightly vindicated that like as much like we don't like Anton Titterholm but we now understand that like most players in the league also don't like Anton Titterholm and like I don't know cuz obviously like every team has a guy that's like oh other teams hate him but like if he was on your team you would love him I don't even know if, if he was on our team I would love him I think I would want him out like he just seems like the kind of guy that like you would want to that you would want to um uh You know what I mean? Just like, you know, you can't.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that's the deal. You know, like, uh, if, he, if he was in fire in the street, like, uh, you know, like, I would not piss on him to put him out. I would just pee in his mouth, <laughs> <laughs> and, then,
1: and then poop on the corpse. You know, like, a... <laughs> I'm gonna burn this guy to the ground and pee pee on the ashes. <laughs> I
0: I could go deeper, but I'm not going to, because, uh, you know, like, I think that, like, there's one player that just kind of sums up their anti-vibes, like, like, their anti-vibes vibes. vibes. It would be Anton Tinnerholm. Like, no chill. Yeah, of
1: anyone, just, yeah. No
0: chill, just out there to be the biggest giant asshole on the field, ruining everyone's vibes, you know?
1: One of the most punchable faces in the
0: league. Yeah, seriously. Like, everything about him sucks know truly <laughs> it's not even like in a fun way either like it's actually just go away
1: <laughs> like just, just stop just stop please just cease go.
0: existing like i don't want nope. you to die i just want you to like stop existing in like just like my world
1: you know just fulfill your destiny and just like play for dinamo dresden or whatever
0: <laughs> some shit no it would definitely be like some some i don't know like some fucking Russian team that has like skulls and stuff like that. I don't know. Some oh man, terrible it would be uh Zenit. It would be Zenit. Yeah,
1: basically, <laughs> what I'll try to say. Oh, he would. I, it's not even just like the light blue. I think he would look at home in Zenit. Yeah, that's a so good shout. It would be Zenit,
0: but yeah, fuck. Uh, long story short, fuck him. We have to do it again this week, which kind of sucks. But I guess we'll uh. Move on to something fun in the meantime. Uh, Mario Gomez, do you have the button ready by any chance? <laughs> I I can
1: I, I can I can set I can get it right now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh,
0: before uh, we, uh, as Juan does that, just to kind of recap the big rumor floating around uh, in the blogosphere this week, uh, you know, Mario Gomez uh, being hinted at for Red Bull Global Coordinator with a focus on a uh, New York the New York operation, particularly role previously occupied by Ralph Ragnick and is probably going to help assist, uh, you know, coordination between, I suppose, what I presume to be the brain trust in Austria with the uh, local operations in New York. So not, so don't really interpret it. I think as, uh, you know, superseding general magic, Kevin Thelwell, but more as like an additional support resource, you know, there's a great breakdown in OEM that kind of, uh, That kind of sums it up for you uh that lists out his connections in the soccer world pretty well as to provide a rationale as to why he's being considered for the position so definitely could read that when you have the chance because you didn't come here to hear me talk about mario gomez you came here to to hear the gomez button so without further ado please take us away
1: Who, who are we talking about again
0: mario gomez Amazing, beautiful. That's that, that's gonna like destroy the eardrums
1: of people who listen to us on uh,
0: <laughs> headphones.
1: I mean, if 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 you've never heard the Mario Gomez button up until now, I don't. Well, congratulations on on uh, on turning sixteen. Um, but <laughs> you, he's retired now, so I think it's important that you need to learn your history.
0: Give it to him one more time, just so that they remember. Oh yes. Who are we
1: talking about again? Mario Gomez.
0: <laughs> Remember when we had websites just for shit like this? Yeah, that was Oh my cool. god. I'm glad bring...
1: I'm glad this website is still around.
0: <laughs> we need to bring back websites in the internet. You know what I mean? Just websites to do one thing. Yeah. Like, is Ape Vigoda dead? I used to log in every day to see if he died. <laughs> and he didn't die for 15 years. Oh my did. God,
1: Abe Vigoda!
0: R.I.P. Abe Vigoda. Seriously, do you remember
1: like the bits on like talk shows where they said like Abe Vigoda is not dead, and they would just it would well, and, no, I think it was Letterman because I think Letterman was like the first like talk show to start just doing weird shit, and he's like Abe Vigoda still alive, and they would cut to the control booth, and there would be Abe Vigoda at the booth like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Abe Vigoda when he did die. Uh, Someone, it was. There, it was like the meme, but like also, I remember reading a headline that was like "sunken-eyed character actor." Ibogoda. I'm like, Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, also shout out to when SNL was good because uh, those those two were contemporaneous, I believe. But uh, enough about oh,
1: yeah. Uh, a- enough Ibogoda. about
0: <laughs> beloved character actors uh, who are now deceased. Uh, quick team news: I think uh, going into the city game, of course, uh, they are missing Maxime Chano and Keaton Parks after. Uh, last week's um circus um so you know on a smaller field against a pressing team missing a key midfielder and a key defender i think we need to take advantage of that yeah uh, so needless to say like please please kill them (laughs) like
1: murder them i think yeah i think we can we can sort of talk about like maybe you bring in Caden clark because a lot of, like, games there, it was just, like, fucking chaos ball, just get on the end of a volley and hit that, but yeah, uh, it's just, like, the frustrating thing about this, like, the game that we just had with them is, like, how important it would have been to, like, get early, like, get get goals early, I think. If you look at the goal chart, there's, like, two spikes before the end, this, before the second half, and that was around in the eighth minute, uh, Omir, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the move, it was, uh, it was John Tolkien on the left hand side. He kind of shot a ball and curled it into the half space. And Klimala was doing, you know, doing his Klimala thing, getting on that ball. He got into space. He passes it to Omir, And Omir hits it right at Sean Johnson. And I'm thinking, you know, when he probably should have just hit it into the corners. But it's like, yeah, like that's, we should be on, that, that should be the 1 0. And then the other spike was like uh, that ripped that. Uh, that uh, carmona had and when was it? this 22nd minute that sean johnson had to make like a one-handed save on um yeah we've seen it like look what happens when we get that early goal uh if we can get two that'd be great i just think like i don't know i literally don't know who's on new york city FC. i don't know who you bring in i know that what's his name it's like who do you bring in instead of it'd be funny if we had galley gideon's llm Lined up in midfield, doing whatever Keaton Parks. Oh, wait, is Chris Gloucester back on the team? Oh my god, he got sent. He
0: got he got sent down alone to USL, actually.
1: But isn't he isn't he back though?
0: Is he? I, 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 he hasn't played, if so you just remember him being. No, sent he down. played.
1: He he played. He played against Cincinnati on the eighteenth. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so he's he... already on the Gideon Zalalem track, though. So just let him enjoy the last two or three years of his career. I, before he goes <laughs> off to like join, I don't know, like fucking Liberty Insurance or something, like <laughs> whatever stupid corporate job he's gonna stumble ass backwards into. He's gonna be
1: like, uh, he's gonna be like, oh, I've joined United. Like, oh, really? The team? Like, no, the uh, the the airline. <laughs> I worked I work in uh, I worked in sales. <laughs>
0: Man, working sales for an airline company while 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 global travels so like come to a standstill. How about that? Can't imagine yeah. a more hellish existence to be honest. But yeah, that's enough <laughs> about team news. Uh let's let's just move into the questions, I guess, because we do have a few that we have to get through.
1: Or, yeah
0: So, um without further ado, thanks again to everybody for sending in a question on what has been a very spicy week on RBNY Twitter. Thanks for looking out for uh this tweet in the middle of everything so we'll begin with a question from Patrick Dawon: if Duncan is more suited as the wing back in the 3-5-2 and with the mid struggling to create opportunities would we be better off in the 3-5-2 if Reyes Neal Edwards or Goodman as CB's uh no I think um if I've seen the last three games we should really be sticking with this 4 one which I think we've discussed at length in this podcast and that he inadvertently answered um because I think when you sh- move to two striker configurations, you also kind of negate the value that Patrick Lamala delivers right, leading the front line by himself. So it's unfortunate that Fabio looks like he's may. O- key operative word, word being here is may. All right, let's not take this as a certainty that he's not back next year for sure. But he may be the odd man out, seeing as how he started a bit more brightly in four two three one so just watch the space for now basically um I think uh the deal of our midfield is is that like I think no amounts of switching around the personnel is really going to do anything just simply because I think uh they all kind of have their strengths overlap a little bit too much right and none of them really offer anything slightly different which is kind of the unfortunate reality of a uh, that we're seeing right now you know so um I would probably if uh, I had things my way I would stick with the Lunch striker formation and then just deploy some of the personnel that have been getting reps in recent weeks so beneath Patrick Climala you got Omir Fernandez I guess wiki Carmona's looked okay it was one of the guys out in the wing and I guess uh you know I guess uh Caden Clark I think sliding in behind that Christian Casters Jr. and Sean Davis anchoring the line behind that. Back four of uh, Tom Edwards, uh, Sean Nealis, Andres Reyes, and uh, John Tolkien would be my preference. And of course, big man Carlos Cornell in goal. But that's just me. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I guess it depends on like these sort of subs or like a game state kind of thing. And I think we might go into a, a third game with this four man back line and then we make the switch on this field. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, like, do you bring in a dribbly boy on that, on, on the Yankee stadium pitch? I don't know. The last time I, I have distinct memories of Andres Ivan doing dribbly boy shit. Yeah. Yankee but stadium. those are like
0: in like one-on-one post-up spots. You know what I mean? It was like seeing mellow post up an ISO, <laughs> you know, with a similar results for better or for worse. Uh, but yeah, I think on a Yankee Stadium pitch, right? I think this is where you would ideally be deploying the all-out press. I think, especially against a team that's missing their best center back and their midfielder who likes to facilitate, right? Like, I think if there's anything that we you've seen, uh, James Sands is eight. He is a decent player, but he he can get caught out in possession a little bit too much right so if you have people haranguing him from both sides you'll be able to drill down and on that one side you'll be able to drill down on a, their the the fulcrum point in midfield really well so I would prefer if you deploy like pressing players in this case I don't really foresee there being too many opportunities to whip in like decent cross or dribble too much at Yankee Stadium Right. It should be all about creating uh, opportunities off of turnovers in the attacking third.
1: Because it's Chaos Ball. Yeah. I guess the only other thing would be, like, what, what does Struber consider, like, the threats? Because like, I know that when he went to three center backs in the second half part of it, was like I noticed that um, in the first half when we were playing a four-man backline at City, we were doing a lot of, like, combination plays to get to spring guys overlapping on the wings. Um, because City themselves were, like, using wingbacks as well. Um, and once we switched to a three-man back line, like, that really wasn't happening as much, so... Wondering, like, I, again, I have not watched any of City this season, because I hate them, and I don't want anything, uh, to do with them at all, outside of the games we play against them, so...
0: I think, I think that's the annoying thing for me, right, is that we talk a lot about game states and a lot about switching up things, but the problem is that it's been that a bit hard to tell what the manager wants to do on a week-to-week basis yes and I think <laughs> what, is think is similar where he's like I don't
1: want to watch them I don't know what's happening
0: yeah and so on top of that like it's, it's sort of like the antithetical problem to Chris Arbus right where like there was any lack of a semblance of a plan this is that in the case of Gerhard Schubert the plan changes too much week to week and it's become inscrutable as to what he wants the team to accomplish as a result of that. You know, So it's very hard for me to say that there must be some kind of machination <laughs> behind some, some kind of... There is a rationale behind the decisions, I will say, but it's hard to tell for me if it's success. What the intention is, I should say. Right? Mm-hmm. You can see the rationale, but you have difficulties discerning the end goal of it, is what I would say. And that's sort of like the opposite, the inverse problem where there is no um, plan. It's rolling the ball out. But you can see that the end result was a focus on trying not to lose week to week, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, I don't really know if I'm like um, if if I'm really like putting it into the words I want to put it in, but it's it's yeah I don't know trying trying not to lose as opposed to as opposed to going out and winning the game with a team that's capable of uh, executing a clear-cut tactical system is what I should see say, saying as yeah. opposed to trying not to lose yeah yeah I guess I cool. think that's how it's I. Would it's like,
1: it. like it's like uh, trying not to lose versus trying to win which are two different things versus like yeah. trying to uh, meet the rubric of whatever tactic sheet is that week
0: yeah it's it's imprinting your personality on the other team right basically yes and we are trying to imprint a personality right now It's just that we don't know that seems to switch week to week it's a uh, different from a com- complete absence of a of one uh yeah so i think yeah i kind of rambled a little bit in that one but um we'll uh just kind of take it as that let's uh, yeah. try and trying to figure that one out <laughs> question from viking army SC do the ta- chickens have large talons I did some research on this question and it's a Napoleon Dynamite reference it seems which I have unfortunately not watched so, oh I so I um, have not. You, I will uh, admit a yeah, little, have... little thing about me that you learned today I've never actually watched Napoleon Dynamite so I I have
1: also uh, never yeah. watched yeah should Napoleon I watch Napoleon
0: Dynamite, Dynamite you guys uh, let me know in the comments I like goes whenever you hear this um
1: yeah I, I i have not seen it either it's uh
0: i only know it for that I, I think i only know it for that one scene that everybody knows right where he's dancing to jimmy Rockwai, that single hand yeah I,
1: so i guess i'm the opposite where i have not seen napoleon dynamite but i know that song very well go listen to it's, it's called canned heat yeah. and it is the bass on that song is absolutely destructive just go listen to it right
0: now jamiroquai had some bangers back in the day they're s- so good I had, I had to say yeah like oh my gosh they they they, they, they make good dancing music yeah so yeah uh definitely wreck jamiroquai uh next question from chad Beatty, which appears to be a sabrina the teenage witch reference that i don't really understand what's going on here <laughs> i just know that salem looks like my cat and that's kind of cool because we actually didn't name our cat after Salem. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gif of a trophy falling off a counter. I, I, I take it sad as what you will. I, I, I don't okay. know what this was supposed to be. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, final question from Nada. I have a question. Who misses the Metro stars? And I'm sure that there are people who do. Um, this has probably been the main, um, I guess this has sort of been like the main point of discussion on RBNY Twitter this week. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, we've, we've said many times, I think on this podcast, uh, be, I suppose you can, you can commiserate in the past. And also be hopeful for the future, I suppose. <laughs> that's yeah, I guess my be. question is like
1: my question is like the question is, do you miss the Metro Stars? And I'm like, uh, what do you miss about the Metro Stars? Losing games because we're doing that. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, making the playoffs—that's what we're like. That's, we could do that. It's like, or do you just miss the aesthetics? Because that's that's another thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the jerseys were kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I think uh, it's a pretty big sucker for red and black stripes. Uh yeah. I think uh you know there were things there, there were, I guess, some cool things that you can vibe with. I mean, I think uh the original jerseys were pretty cool. Uh the name is kind of goofy. I guess I'd suppose it's part of the charm, but I think uh moving off a giant stadium was probably better in the long run. Yes. And I think if uh, my take generally that if Metro Media kind of stuck around in the 21st century we probably would have seen like a dcu or revs like purgatory for a really really long time you know yeah because i don't think they quite had the financial resources that the red bull organization has in this day and age probably be the nicest thing that i can say trying to put my things in a very nice way basically because yeah we'd end up like
1: it's like who Metro, like who would I think? I don't think Metro Media would have stayed around. So, like that, like there's one scenario where you think if that stays around as ownership versus uh, who who we end up getting sold to? Like we just get sold to uh, Rocco James Dolan, Rocco Camizo. <laughs> <or James laughs> I would like uh, getting sold by.
0: Imagine being owned by Rocco, dude. What Rocco a, Camizo. a what an owned dude, seriously.
1: And like this, but then the timeline still plays out where he goes to where he would rather like hang around Fiorentina rather than hanging around us, and then we just have this problem that like we have an owner that we know what his face looks like, but just isn't here. Yeah, I mean, like you talked about absentee
0: fathers, right? Like a, right. the whole uh, the, the the whole thing around the Cosmos giving yet another league a kiss of death. I mean, like holy shit, everything these guys touch just turns to shit. <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what it'll look like in this alternative universe where Metro Media sticks around. So. Um, you know, I think that would probably be a pretty interesting podcast episode in itself.
1: Oh, but... I think you think you think Manchester City would have come in or like into this team. Uh, I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> it's possible, but even then, City Football Group didn't really coalesce until like the late 2010s. That's true. No, yeah. no, uh, not the late 2010s, late 2000s, I should say. Right, and it took them a while even then to become like City Football Group. Back in the day, it was just had bought a team and tried oh, to yeah. like win the league. with Finet, like by just pumping money into it
1: with Roque Santa Cruz and Robleio. Yeah.
0: The Their marquee signing the first year after CFG took over was Elano. Okay,
1: Elano, Elano Bloomer.
0: Elano was supposed to be their star player, and then Carlos Tevez next to
1: him. Tevez fucked legend. off. Carlos Tevez, fucked off basically the basically the the shift in vibes for city basically switched they were wearing Lacoke Sportif jersey that was like the the Sinawatra the, the years and then at, they were owned by Etihad which they switched to Umbro and then at the second they switched to Nike and then they switched to Puma it's like you can tell like the vibes just downward vibes yeah. It's a it's a downward slope. Mark Hughes was your manager
0: in the first CFG year. You know how funny that is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Great Manchester United player. Like Craig Bellamy was
0: like uh was there Craig as Bellamy, well. Jesus like, Christ! You know, uh, the, the list goes on and on. I can I can talk about how weird the early City years were. Like oh yeah, Adam Johnson. Years. Yeah, I
1: mean that was <laughs> that that one's aged like shit, eh? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. aged age to the point that Adam Johnson doesn't want anything to do with it. Oh oh <laughs> <laughs> Oh damn. Well. Oh damn. Well. Wow. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Next next
0: question. That, that, that's the end of it. Yeah. So I think to wrap <laughs> <round laughs> up the segment. Yeah, I don't know. Uh I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to tell people what they can and what they can't miss basically. So if you miss the Metro stars, you miss the Metro Stars human
1: whatever if you need Uh, a jersey just just do the ebay search i'm pretty and find a jersey
0: yeah i'm pretty over the whole metro versus red bull thing i could not give two shits or a over anything right about anything floating out there right now uh yeah on that note i think that does it for questions this year i guess if you're going up to uh if you're going up to um yankee stadium stay safe out there have fun or at least try to, because it's always such a really fucking bad time. Uh, game kicks off uh, when? Saturday night, I want to say, right? 7.30. Yeah, oh, jeez. Saturday night games from Yankee Stadium are, like, the worst vibes, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Just I think the this past game on Wednesday was, like, that was the first time it's been dark by kickoff yeah. this year. Um. Yeah which reminded me of, like, Champions League nights, but there were, like, slightly more people. Just just slightly.
0: Just slightly, yeah. Uh, kind of seems that, despite of everything, like, they're not really pushing the needle much anymore, right? Like, uh, I don't know. This has very quickly become a very simultaneously, like, really bad vibes, but also with a tinge of who care thrown in for good measure.
1: So. I don't even know. I, there was a lot of people there the first time that, when the game got rained out, and then yeah. there was still, like, a decent amount of of people this past game I will say that like uh as the game progressed just like being in the section and being on like the capo stand the uh the moment when Esmael Elfath blew for the penalty that was that moment was like the loudest it's been this year that I can like I could just like noticeably louder in the stadium
0: but, you know, I mean, this used to be a game that, like, people would circle on their calendars and, like, be really amped up for, right? But now it's just
1: like, oh, ugh, yeah. ugh, you know, like, uh. fuck. Oh, this yeah, yeah. Someti- yeah, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, so- yeah, sometimes I think about uh, the New York Derby or the Hudson River Derby, and now I just give this game the respect it deserves and just call it the game against city.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess enjoy while they can uh, before they move to Las Vegas. So. Right, before they get, before they fold. Yeah, before they fold and move to Las Vegas as the expansion team. Uh, so, yeah, that being said. Yep. So if you're going up to Yankee Stadium, have fun. Juan, it was good speaking to you on this episode. Thanks for your time, as always. Uh, going to round up. <laughs> <laughs> I always shot myself when I came on. Because, like... <laughs> <laughs> Came through so sharply, I was like, Oh Christ. But anyway, yes. Um yeah, I guess that does it for us, Metro Fan TV. Saying thanks for your time. Have fun. Uh, yeah. See you on the other side. Peace. Later.